Welcome to the American Families of Faith Project audio article series. This series is led by Lauren Marks and David Dollahite, co-directors of the American Families of Faith Project at Brigham Young University. Each article has previously been published in various scholarly journals, online magazines, and newspapers. Hello, my friends. This is Dave Dollahite, professor of family life at Brigham Young University and co-director of the American Families of Faith Project, along with my good friend and colleague, Dr. Lauren Marks. And this is audio article number 35, Latter-day Saint Families, Eternal Perspectives. And this article was originally published in Public Square magazine and then also was syndicated by Real Clear Religion. And this article was originally published in October of 2021. Here we go, Latter-day Saint Families. In her book, The New Religious Intolerance, Martha Nussbaum has written that, quote, any self-knowledge worth the name tells you that others are as real as you are and that your life is not just about you. It is about accepting the fact that you share a world with others and about taking action directed at the good of others, end quote. In this special series in Public Square magazine, we share religious and relational strengths from eight religious ethnic communities, including Asian Christian, Black Christian, Catholic and Orthodox Christian, Evangelical Christian, Jewish, Latter-day Saint, Mainline Protestant, and Muslim. Part of what we share in each article is our own sense of deep respect and even holy envy about various aspects of faiths other than our own. We are professors of family life at BYU and co-directors of the American Families of Faith Project. In this article, consistent with articles on the other seven religious ethnic communities, we share a few quotes drawn from those whom we interview. In this essay, the quotes center on the eternal nature of life, marriage, and families from persons from our own faith, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also known as the Church of Jesus Christ, LDS, Mormon. In this essay, we turn to our own faith, not to brag, but to share a pronounced strength of this faith, to which I converted at age 19, and in which Lauren was raised. After we share brief narratives from members of some of the 28 LDS families we have interviewed, we will discuss the idea of holy envy, share some thoughts on LDS family life from some respected scholars from various disciplines who are not LDS, and conclude with a few thoughts about the things that we personally find most meaningful about our own faith. Eternal Perspectives The 28 LDS families we interviewed 28 husbands, 28 wives, and 11 youth, were from seven states and, on average, were in their mid-40s and had been married for about 20 years. All 28 families mentioned the eternal nature of the family as a key component driving family relations. A mother named Bailey shared, When our daughter died, you know the whole thing about the normal steps of grieving that you should go through, one being anger. Well, I was not angry. I had this faith. I didn't understand it, but both of us had extraordinary peace. That doesn't mean you don't cry, doesn't mean you don't suffer, but there was this faith. There's this basic faith that it was in God's hands. I don't look at trials and say, why me? That's useless, totally useless. 
A better question to ask is, what can I learn? Benton, an African-American husband and convert to Mormonism, said, and LDS missionaries came in and we sat on the floor. I was a divorced single man at that time. And I looked them in the eyes. There were two sisters, and they told me about the plan of salvation. And I learned about the pre-existence, about being with our Heavenly Father before the world was, and that I was sent to earth to learn, to grow, and to really understand what my purpose really is. Once I learned it and got the point, I made a commitment. I knew what they were telling me was right and true. Cynthia, a 15-year-old Latina daughter, said, Looking at the big picture, God promised us that if we get married in the temple and have a family who's sealed in the temple, and you're sealed to somebody, then that is forever. You have somebody who's going to be with you all the way, a companion that you have married in the temple that's going to want to be righteous through time and eternity. Allie, a wife, said, Believing in families being forever is really the core. It's not just, I'm in it for me, or even, I'm in it for a spouse. We are in it forever. It makes marriage so much more important, knowing it is forever, and not just until the kids leave the house. One husband said, I also strongly believe in the concept of eternal progression, that once I die, there's something that's going to happen to me. We believe that marriage is eternal. That means that when I die, I continually will progress with my wife. I think it's one of those things that, even in times that we've struggled, that has kept me grounded in the fact that divorce, for me, was never really an option. When I decided to get married, it was to someone who I felt was worth the work to stay with forever. A father named Don said, We talked earlier about the concept of eternal progression and that my wife and I can be together forever. In the same aspect, by doing this unifying temple work for our own families and other families, we have the potential of being together as families forever, not just my wife and I, but my wife and my children and my grandparents, my parents, their parents, and so on and so forth. By accomplishing this work through our beliefs, we are able to accomplish that strength, that family unity. Alicia, a 20-year-old Latina daughter, said, Knowing that we are going to be together forever and that we've been sealed as a family, that we are bound forever, that we have that bond, it's like Fighting seems trivial when you think about it. When someone has a problem, you're more willing to help them because you know you're going to spend eternity with that person, and you're going to love them, whether or not you like it. And most of the time you do, but it just makes it easier during the hard times to get through it. These few quotes are supplemented by a number of others in the full article. For Latter-day Saints, the doctrine that marriage and family can be perpetuated beyond the grave is a central part of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. This teaching brings peace, joy, comfort, and hope in the midst of a world of change, decay, death, sadness, and loneliness. Of course, Latter-day Saints do not have a monopoly on ideas and yearnings around the eternal nature of the soul, of romantic love, and of marriage and family relationships. 
Such ideas abound in domains as disparate as select rock and roll music and the teachings of other world religions. For example, Orthodox Christian, also known as Eastern Orthodox theology, includes the teaching that since it is God that marries the persons and since God is eternal, marriage is also eternal. Islamic teachings include the idea of family life in paradise. Jehovah's Witnesses teach that witnesses who are married when Jesus returns will remain married in the new order of things. Since millions of human beings yearn for treasured relationships to last into the eternities, we consider the focus on eternal relationships to be a strength of LDS doctrine and practice. Indeed, Latter-day Saints have put their money where their hope is by spending billions of dollars to construct nearly 170 edifices called temples, with more than 80 more under construction or announced, within which priesthood ordinances, that is, religious ceremonies, are performed by those who hold the sealing powers, powers that can seal or bind marriage and family relationships for eternity. When a couple kneels across an altar in a sealing room in a temple, they face each other and join hands and are then sealed for time and all eternity by the power of the holy priesthood. This can bring a sense of profound security, brought on by belief in relational permanence, in the midst of increasing relational instability and general anxiety all around them. When a family converts to the Church of Jesus Christ, they are able to kneel together around an altar, join hands, and be sealed as a family for time and all eternity. Children born to couples who have been sealed are born in the covenant and are considered sealed to their parents for time and all eternity as they honor sacred promises made to God and to each other. Again, the sense of personal and relational security that is possible from these actions is real and powerful. LDS prophets urge church members to learn from other faiths. Some from our own faith, as well as those from other faiths, may wonder why a couple of committed, active Latter-day Saints like ourselves have devoted more than two decades together studying other faiths and highlighting the virtues and strengths about those faiths and those who earnestly strive to live them. It is not that we have neglected to study families from our own faith. In fact, we have published articles and a few books about LDS marriage and family life. But we have devoted even more time and energy to studying and publishing about our friends of other faiths. Why? The simple answer is that, based on the teachings of Latter-day Prophets, we believe it is a religious duty for Latter-day Saints to strive to learn truth from any and all sources, including from other faiths. The founding prophet and president of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Joseph Smith, said, I have the most liberal sentiments and feelings of charity towards all sects, parties, and denominations. And, when we see virtuous qualities in men, we should always acknowledge them. Let their understanding be what it may in relation to creeds and doctrine. He also taught, There is a tie from God that enables us to conduct ourselves with greater liberality toward all others that are not of our faith. The second president of the church, Brigham Young, said, It is our duty and calling to gather every item of truth and reject every error, whether a truth be found with professed infidels 
or with the Universalists, or the Church of Rome, or the Methodists, the Church of England, the Presbyterians, the Baptists, the Quakers, the Shakers, or any other of the various and numerous different sects and parties, all of whom have truth. In speaking about our friends of other faiths, recent church president Gordon B. Hinckley stated, Look for their strengths and their virtues, and you will find strength and virtues that will be helpful in your own life. We could provide other similar quotations, but hope that these demonstrate a truth that invites and even urges Latter-day Saints to gather and live truth from any and all sources, including from other faiths. We have learned that doing so can result in a profound respect and admiration for other faiths and for those who practice them. Holy Envy One of our intellectual and religious heroes, from whom we have learned much, is Christer Stendhal. Stendhal was dean of the Harvard Divinity School and then Lutheran bishop of Stockholm, Sweden. While serving as bishop of Sweden, Stendhal held a press conference in response to the strong and swelling public opposition to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints building a temple in Stockholm. In that press conference, Bishop Stendhal wisely and compassionately mentioned the three rules he tries to follow when dealing with other faiths. Number one, ask adherents of a faith, not their enemies, what they believe. Two, be sure to compare bests with bests of faiths you're comparing, not bests of one faith with worsts of another. And three, try to leave room for holy envy, meaning a deep appreciation of the good qualities of other faiths that you admire so much you might even wish that they were part of your own faith. For example, he mentioned that he had holy envy for the LDS practice of baptism for the dead. While we have written elsewhere about how we experience holy envy for other faiths, the following are just a few aspects of other faiths for which we experience holy envy. We have written about the LDS practice of family home evening for both our scholarly colleagues and for a popular audience. We ourselves have participated in literally thousands of family home evenings in our own families. Nevertheless, we are on record as calling Jewish Shabbat, Sabbath observance, quote, the weekly family ritual par excellence. Because we admire this sacred practice so much, we have written brief articles for our fellow Latter-day Saints suggesting how we might learn from our Jewish friends. See articles in the LDS Church News and Meridian Magazine. We are glad to participate in our own faith's practice of monthly fasting for 24 hours and donating at least the amount of money of the food that would have been eaten to help alleviate the suffering of those in need. We also are on record in expressing our profound admiration for the Muslim practice of fasting for 30 days during the month of Ramadan and the practice of zakat, that is contributing 2.5% of one's net worth to charity. We love our own faith's teachings that regular personal couple and family prayer are important, and we have tried to maintain the practice of regular personal and family prayers. We also have worked to explore and write about the ways that families of various faiths are benefited by regular relational prayer. We appreciate and admire the ways that our fellow Latter-day Saints have weathered opposition and challenges as members of a frequently misunderstood minority faith. In addition, we have written about our deep respect 
for how, through deep and abiding religious belief and belonging, black Christians in America have weathered hundreds of years of prejudice and oppression. We admire and have benefited from the way that LDS communities care for each other, help each other move in and move out, and help fellowship each other through tough times and challenging changes. We have also written about the ways that our Asian Christian friends who have left their home countries and converted to a new faith, Christianity, endeavor to embrace each other and help each other, including meeting new immigrants at the docks, bringing them into their homes, and creating a church family that cares for the total person. As mentioned, we love and appreciate various aspects of our own religious beliefs, spiritual practices, and culture. But a doctrine that we cherish deeply is that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is a restoration of ancient truths, and so we can and should look for vibrant expressions and echoes of these ancient truths in the scriptures, beliefs, and sacred ceremonies in other religions. As we sat with, interviewed, and learned from families of various religious, ethnic, racial, and cultural communities across the United States, we often found ourselves feeling great kinship with them. We found that we enjoyed great commonalities of devotion to God, loyalty to a faith community, and desire to serve God and our fellow human beings. We also have experienced deep resonances between other faiths' theologies and sacred practices and LDS doctrine and sacred ordinances, most particularly with temple ordinances. For example, one commonality is the use of the right hand in religious ceremony. Something that nearly all faiths have in common is the use of religious art and sacred objects. Lauren has dubbed Dave's BYU office a gallery of religious art and artifacts. Dave's office includes books and religious objects from his own faith, that is, various paintings of Jesus, a bust of Joseph Smith, a statue of the angel Moroni, and a replica of a sunstone from the Nauvoo Temple. My office also contains books and religious objects from many faiths. For example, a Jewish menorah, mezuzah, shofar, dreidel, and prayer shawl, three Orthodox Christian icons of Christ, a Muslim prayer rug, three Catholic rosaries, three statues of Hindu deities, a Tibetan Buddha singing bowl, a Hopi morning singer kachina doll, and a wood carving of a laughing Buddha that belonged to my mother. Life is richer when we honor and respect the sacred views of others, whether they align fully with ours or not. Non-LDS Scholars on Latter-day Saint Life We are grateful that a number of respected scholars of various faiths and disciplines have paid the price to study and understand the LDS faith to such a degree that their insights are helpful and meaningful to Latter-day Saints. They have made important contributions to the understanding of LDS life, including family life. Here are a few brief examples. Jan Ships, a Methodist historian, who became one of the preeminent scholars of the field of Mormon history in her book called Sojourner in the Promised Land, Forty Years Among the Mormons, shares her deep and abiding interest in LDS history. She strived to understand the LDS experience as a friendly outsider. A leading sociologist of religion, Rodney Stark, in his book The Rise of Mormonism, illustrates his open-minded and scholarly approach to the data 
that allowed him to document the growth of the Latter-day Saints from a tiny, obscure faith in 1830 to what he calls a new world faith. The late Stephen Webb, a Catholic religious studies scholar, engaged in profound study of LDS belief and practice that led him to write a fascinating book called Mormon Christianity, What Other Christians Can Learn from the Latter-day Saints, in which he does a deep dive into how a number of elements of LDS theology might assist Christians from various faiths to reconsider aspects of their theologies in important ways. University of Southern California sociologist, the late Vern Bengston, and colleagues have reported in their book, Families and Faith, How Religion is Passed Down Across Generations, based on a landmark four-generation study of family life, the following. The most successful programs fostering intergenerational connections and the nurturing of families have been instituted by Mormons, of which a prime example is their family home evening on Monday nights. The LDS parents and bishops we spoke with attributed the success of their faith in religious transmission to activities such as this family home evening that integrate family and faith and emphasize family growth and development. Douglas Davies, a British non-LDS religious studies scholar, in his book, The Mormon Culture of Salvation, provides a thorough and accurate exploration of LDS doctrines on eternal marriage, eternal families, and eternal exaltation, what Davies calls Mormon super-salvation. Ken DeCreasy Dean, a professor of youth, church, and culture at Princeton Theological Seminary and an ordained United Methodist pastor, in her wonderful book, Almost Christian, What the Faith of Our Teenagers is Telling the American Church, wrote a deeply respectful and well-informed chapter called Mormon Envy, Sociological Tools for a Consequential Faith, in which she reported findings from the National Study of Youth and Religion that indicates that LDS youth tend to do very well on a number of outcomes. From Stendhal and Ships to Davies and Dean, we appreciate the efforts of these various outsider scholars to study, understand, and discuss our faith, from family home evening to the temple-based efforts to help marriages and families last forever. Even more than this, we respect the religious tolerance, dignity, respect, and holy envy that these diverse sisters and brothers in the human family model. May we graciously receive their lived invitation to the rest of us to do likewise. Doctors Dave Dolahite and Lauren Marks are both professors in the School of Family Life at Brigham Young University. The American Families of Faith Project shares research-based ideas about ways of making faith come alive in marriage and family life. 